Welcome to Step Monsters, a podcast all about the highs and lows of step parenthood. I'm Elise and this is Bailey. We're two friends bonded by this crazy stepmom world. Welcome back, friends and step monsters, step moms. I somebody told me recently that they didn't know why our podcast was named Step Monster. They're like, well, this has such a negative connotation. I'm like, well, but that's kind of the point. Like, that's kind of the point. We just we want to poke fun at that whole stigma. So that's that's why we're doing it. It's it's a play on words. Don't get offended by it. We're not actually saying we or you are step monsters. <laughs> yeah, and have you ever watched a comedy performance? Like it's funny when people make digs at themselves. It totally is. Just roast yourself. That's fine. I mean, I'll roast myself. I do have a, a couple of funny stories, but before we get started, um I wanted to ask you what your drink of the night is. So, I'm drinking, oh, what's it called? It's not a Viognier. It's like a Vermentillo. Oh, oh that sounds, heard of that, that can't be right. You probably pronounced that wrong, but I have I, no idea how to actually pronounce vermin, that. So, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> I don't know. It's something I can't name, but it's it's kind of like a Chardonnay. Mixed between right. Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. Yours is kind of pinky, though. Are you drinking a rosé? Yeah, I have a rosé. So, a couple weeks ago, you and I went down to Sonoida, Arizona, and we went to Calligan Vineyards, which funny story. So Lisa Callaghan, who's one of the owners of Callaghan, actually is also a stepmom. And I don't know why I didn't think to reach out to her and tell her about our podcast previously, but I we recently told her while we were down there and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So she's following along now and hopefully she gets to hear this plug. But this is their, it's called Love Muffin. It's a uh, rosé and it is delicious. And I just have to say, I love Sonoida. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. You feel like you're in Ireland. Remember Only I kept saying that? this time of year, though, because other times of year when it's not like super rainy summertime and harvest, it's very brown. Well, I need to be there when it rains because that's apparently our karaoke night. That was great. So Elise and I rented an Airbnb at, so a friend of ours owns Twisted Union Wine Company. By the way, all of these wine companies ship out of state too. So if you're ever wanting to try some local Arizona wine, please go check them out. We love Dos Cabezas Winery, Twisted Union. We love Calligan, Deep Sky. There's so many really good ones. But we stayed in an Airbnb that was on Twisted Union Wine Company's property, like right on their tasting room and part of their vineyard. And it was pouring rain one night, and we decided that it would be totally appropriate to turn all the lights off, watch the storm roll in, which was crazy thunder and lightning. And then that turned into probably after way too much wine tasting, like a full-blown country music karaoke session. <laughs> um, I think you were challenging me to see how many country music songs I knew. You're right. Was I was. So I had fun. like my, my whole country music playlist and I was like, all right, you don't know this one. And then sure shit, you did. And you then, forget I'm from Indiana. Hello. You are from Indiana. And then we have to just briefly mention the activities that were going on next to us. <laughs> one other room in the there's Airbnb. There's a reason we needed to drown out the sound. Holy sweet Jesus. There was another room in the Airbnb and they happened to be sharing a wall with us. And it was this couple that we had seen earlier in the day. Uh, they were not married. What The guy had actually traveled in from out of state. So I don't know if they were dating or it was like a little like a romance fling kind of thing. I'm not really sure. But they were in the room next to us, and I don't know if they decided to just drown out our country singing with, like, Iron Maiden or what their plans were, but then all of a sudden we started hearing the loudest sex ever, and this guy earlier was on crutches. He said he had just blown out his ACL, and the volume of sex and the the speed at which that was happening, I was like, there's no way this guy blew out his ACL because clearly, clearly 
clearly he's fine. And there was like weird gurgling noises and like clear, like it was just like all too much. So hopefully you're not under 18 and listening to this. We do mark all of our podcasts as explicit, but like, how can you like tell our country music singing story without telling that part of it? (laughs) Well, I feel like we had music on, but once we started to hear that and it was so obnoxious, we turned the music up and then we... We're just singing. We're like, you know what? Whatever. If these people are going to be that, to the point where we opened our door and we're like, Like, looking at their door, like, is everyone (laughs) okay? Like, does she need assistance? Because this is, it was, it was unlike anything I had experienced staying somewhere. But beautiful place to stay. Beautiful place to stay. I told the friends that are owners that we know to just burn the sheets and call it a day. (laughs) That is hysterical, honestly. Like, solid advice. Yes. So we are not here to catch up on our wine adventures or uh, raunchy sex neighbors, but we are here tonight to talk about financial planning for stepmoms and must have financial conversations as you are either in your stepmom role or coming into a stepmom role initially. There's just, there's a lot to consider. And it's unlike any other relationship that you've been in, because normally you get into a relationship, there's no kids involved, you're starting fresh, it's just you and your significant other. And hopefully you've had financial conversations up until the point that you decide to get married or move in together or whatever that looks like. But when you add in a prior relationship, alimony, child support, other kids, expenses, for kids that are not yours, the level of complexity is amplified significantly. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that it may look one way when you go into it and you may need to pivot and that's okay. So, you know, things are always ever evolving and you've got to do what works best for you and your family dynamics. So, you know, it's not a one shoe fits all. Agreed. So let's talk a little bit before we get into anything that happens when you're already living together and you're you're trying to blend or you're already blended. So let's talk about perhaps some conversations that you might need to have prior to being in a serious relationship with someone who already has kids or has been married previously. Because I know there are several of you that follow us who you're not married yet. You're either in a serious committed relationship or you've even just started dating someone who has kids and you've sent us messages saying, hey, should I be getting into this? Would you would you recommend like zero out of 10, one out of 10? What would you recommend? And there are definitely some conversations that we would recommend you start with. So let's start there. Um, the first thing that I think is super important is to just talk about financial histories and just get on the same page about how you each approach money. So a lot of people have differing money philosophies. And not only is that just like important relationship advice, but all especially important when it comes to knowing that most likely a portion of your significant other's income is going to be dedicated to another family. Like, that's crazy to think about, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes, and in the beginning, I would get worked up on that and think, you know, that's not fair and um, he's contributing X, Y, Z. But now as I've gotten older and I, I look at things from a totally different lens and I think it's just money. We can make more money. I, you know, I can make more money, whatever. So we've pivoted and it's just not a stressor. I just don't let it stress me out because it is what it is and things happen. So that's kind of my perspective on that. But it was initially a hard pill to swallow. Totally. Because, I mean, same for me. I remember when I found out initially how much my boyfriend, fiance, soon-to-be husband, whatever, 
when I found out he mu- how much he was paying in child support and spousal support, I was like, that's another house. Like we we could that's a mortgage payment on a house. We could have Literally a nice same. house for that. I know. So I was I'm like, like this dear is God, a lot. like how is this fair? And but God, I was just gonna say, but you know, at the end of the day, it is really, especially in Illinois, it's to balance out households, and it's just a different kind of. It, it was what. 10 years ago. I don't even know off the top of my head, but it was a while ago. So things were different then. And it is what it is. But yeah, I agree with you. And I I remember talking to my now husband about that initially. I'm like, Jesus, dude, you pay this lady so much money a month. And thankfully, we are blessed in the fact that we both have really good, stable jobs and make a, a decent amount of money that I think it was fair for us to be paying her that much money. But for me, because this was all new to me, I'm like, this is this like a rogue unknown entity that we're all of a sudden paying all this money to. I don't know how to feel about this. And his perspective was really in alignment with what you just said. It's really to balance out the households because he was like, I don't ever want my kids to like, it's already hard enough that they've been through a divorce and they've already had to deal with that emotionally, financially, mentally. Like that's a, that's a hard pill for kids to swallow. And he was like, the last thing I want them to feel is that when they go to their mom's house, they're living in like a shitty environment. He's like, I don't ever want to put them in a situation where they feel like it's worse there because she doesn't have enough money to support them. He's like, so whatever money I need to give, I mean, he bought a TV for them. He contributed surely more than what was court ordered because he wanted to make sure that the quality of life was just as good there as it was here. And I found that really endearing and it really helped me reframe my mindset to be like okay listen like it's not about you're you're not just paying her that money you're paying her that money so she can maintain the same lifestyle for the kids and so that she can make sure that they're they're happy while they're over there and I think that's really important yeah when I met my husband when we were dating Divorces are expensive, right? So, and he literally, unless I was there and the kids were there or I was there or the kids were there, he would keep the heat at like 60 because he's like, I don't want my heat bill to be high. And then there were some times where he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come visit you because like, I can't spend the $50 in gas. And I would just be like, here, I'll pay for your gas. And like, I would pay for some dinners. And that was hard for him as a guy. But I'm like, it, it's fine. You know, it doesn't matter. And now, thankfully, we have, and I'm sure kind of same for you, it's nice that we have my income, because we're able to still have the standard of living that we want to have and the type of life that we want to maintain. So I think he appreciates that as well. Yeah, most definitely. And I don't know about you, but there were surely conversations, especially when we started to talk really seriously about getting married, about what my financial obligation would be. And we decided early on, even before we got married, that we would still maintain separate bank accounts. So he has his account. I have my account that has all of my like individual bills. We have a joint, we call it like our spending account that we both contribute money to every month for like going out to dinner or like fun things or home improvements that we want to do. And then we have a joint savings account. So we've got technically four accounts, which sounds like a lot, but it's all through the same bank. So as soon as I log into my account, I can see all of that and we can transfer money to and fro. But he never 
asked me and never expected me to contribute to his financial obligations for the kids. And I, as a stepmom, feel like that's the way that it should be. I mean, this is, again, my personal opinion. Like, don't come at me for this. But if you're getting into a relationship with a man that has kids and has financial obligations outside of your relationship, those financial obligations are his. Just like I wouldn't expect my husband to pay off my student loans that I brought into our marriage. That's not his debt. That's mine. I'm not going to expect him to pay off my car that I bought two years before I even met him. That's my debt and that's my responsibility. And I kind of feel like child support and alimony falls into the same realm. What do you think about that? Yeah. And the court would agree. So... I buy gifts for them. I take them to dinner. I take them to get their nails done. But I'm not obligated to provide their mom with any sort of support. I really feel like that is the best way to go. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like when I read articles about divorce statistics, one of the number one reasons is financial disagreements. And when I think about my husband and I commingling every single one of our expenses, I can... I only imagine the, cause I, I mean, I'm, I don't, how do I say this without making myself sound crazy? So I'm like a, a pro stalker, right? Like if you, if you have someone, you're like, I need to know where this person lives. Like I'm the girl where you're like, send me their All name right. and I'm going to find their address. But I, I'm the person where people are like, Hey, I'm trying to find this person that I met. And like, I think he works here. Can you help me find him? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Let me, <laughs> let me do my thing. I'll get on social media. I get on Google. I can, I can go find some person. So I can only imagine how that personality trait of mine would manifest if I were to be able to analyze all of my husband's transactions in his bank account. I just don't think that's healthy. Like, and then there's like Christmas and birthdays, and I don't want either of us to ever feel like we have to hide money from each other to be able to buy those things. So I just feel like I like that my financial obligations are mine alone, and I don't have to rely on him to to figure that out. So that's a long way of saying I just I agree with the separate accounts and like have some joint accounts for spending, have conversations, have discussions around what the expectations are for you to pitch in. And obviously, if you're a full time stepmom, and especially if you're a full time stepmom that maybe doesn't work because you have all these kids that you need to take care of, I think there are exceptions to that. Unfortunately, that's not my experience, or fortunately, however you want to work, however you want to look at that. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily have advice around that, except for the fact that I just, I feel like it's really important for you to have those conversations before you get married and understand what the expectations are of you financially with your stepkids. Well, and also I think that it's even more important to have the conversation because it's based on your level of comfort. So if you don't feel comfortable having a joint account where, you know, your income could be seen your financial I mean I'm kind of a private person so and I handle all of our financial stuff so I just want that to be what you know my thing and my husband if he asked me I would be honest with him and tell him you know you're welcome to look at my ledger but he doesn't care because I'm the one who manages the finances so I just think that you have to also think about how you feel about it and really be honest with yourself and trust your partner to voice your opinion on what you want that to look like. You had mentioned before that you would take your stepdaughters to get their nails done or take them shopping or back to school shopping or, or whatever that looks like. So let's break that down a little bit because I know we got a lot of questions about that. 
particularly back to school shopping, which I think we covered briefly in our back to school shopping episode a couple episodes ago. But in terms of back to school supply shopping and back to school clothes shopping, have you ever felt super obligated or have there been any conversations between you and your husband about expectations for you to pitch in for any of that? No, we, I think I've said before, we let mom take them back to school shopping for supplies and then she just provides us with the receipt so we can reimburse her. Um, when it comes to clothes, I mean, they're kids, so they're wanting clothes like kind of all the time or just whenever. And we're fine if it's something they really want. So I think it just it just depends. And if I take them to get their nails done, I'll say dad's paying for this one because I have both cards, right? Because it's our joint account, which all his money goes into. He doesn't have his own separate account. Or I'll be like, well, I got you on this one, like my treat. So for clothes, I think it's just it just depends. But back to school supplies. No. What about you guys? It just depends, too, for us. I mean, who who are my stepkids with when it's time to go back to school shopping, and what was the expense? If it was super crazy high and there was a lot of things to buy, then we would usually pitch in. We're responsible for 75% of their expenses, and she's responsible for 25%. Over the last couple of years, as they've gotten older, it's not we haven't really trued up on that, but we've tried to really make sure that whatever we're contributing is still significant enough to just not warrant a true up type conversation. So it's obvious that like we're contributing a significant amount. We pay for their car insurance and their cars and cell phones and as much as we can within reason. But in terms of school shopping, there were surely times, I mean, there's even still times where, I mean, both of my stepkids like to go shopping with me. I will pride myself on the fact that I have great taste in clothing, although my own athleisure attire on the daily basis may not reflect that much because I work mostly from home. <laughs> I got a compliment on this necklace that you got me today that I'm wearing. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay for Kendra Scott. Plus one for her. <laughs> um, but I mean, I my stepson, especially over the last couple of years, he's all about finally caring what he looks like and his personal hygiene. So I've definitely been taking him shopping. And there were times where Like, if I felt personally like, okay, this is probably going to be a lot of money, I have some other expenses coming up right now, I will ask my husband ahead of time, do you want to come shopping with us? Most likely he will say no because he loathes clothes shopping. (laughs) And then if he says no, I will say, do we have a budget? And that tells him I am not paying for this on my own. I'm expecting a budget from you for this. I will stay within said budget. If I go over, it's totally on me. And if he says we don't really have the money to go shopping right now, I'll say, okay, well, I'll pay for this much right now. And and we just, we true up later. So we really just have that conversation. But most times he's like, yeah, fine, 200 bucks. And then if we go over that budget, it's on me and I cover whatever is left over. But there were also times where, you know, I would have like a nice freelance project come in and I would have some extra money and my stepson wants to go shopping and lucky for him, I just happen to have some extra funds. And he asked at the right time and I just cover it on my own. But same with like nails and pedicures. I mean, anytime I ask my stepdaughter, hey, do you want to go get a pedicure? I'm always paying for it. Like, I'm I'm not going to ask my husband, like he doesn't pay for my nails, whatever. But um, if 
I'm going to take her. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay for it. It's on me. And yeah, I feel like that's like a girl, like that's yeah. our girl outing. So totally. And then, I mean, she has, we got her when she turned 16, we got her a card, like a credit card to just keep in her wallet for emergencies. Cause we never mm, wanted her. Scary. It is scary, but we never wanted her to end up stranded somewhere where she didn't have money to get herself out of any sort of precarious situation. So my husband very closely monitors transactions on that. And we set really clear boundaries with her on here's what this card can be used for. And here's what this card cannot be used for. It can be used for school only expenses, but pretty much anytime she wants to use that card, she has to text my husband and be like, Hey, can I put this on the card? And most of the time he says yes. There's been a couple of times where she's texted me and said, hey, dad isn't responding. I need to put this on the card. What do you think? And I'm like, Ugh. like there were times where I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then I got myself like, into trouble cringing. by saying that yeah. later. Yeah. So now I'm like, I don't know, not my card. I don't pay the bill on that card. You have to wait for your dad's response. And so the last couple of times she's done that, I've been like, I don't know. I don't want to get involved. Don't get me involved. But even if, I mean, she even asked like a couple weeks ago, she was like, I really desperately need new clothes. Like, can I please have a small budget to go clothes shopping? And my husband was like, sure, put it on the card. Here's how, how much you can spend. And she spent that much. So, I mean, I think that's totally fair. You just, again, it's managing expectations ahead of time before it gets to a point where you're feeling salty about the fact that you've been asked to contribute or contributed without any sort of recognition. Completely agree. And shout out to her for that adorable dress she had on when she was working. I hope she bought that on her little shopping spree. She said she got that at Goodwill. Dude. It was what? so cute, right? Adorable. I can't even imagine finding that at Goodwill. I, I She's like a Goodwill thrift queen. I have no patience for Goodwill. I think I did at one point. And I know there are some really good gems there, but also the Goodwill Bar House is one of like the really gross ones, not the cute, fun ones where you want to like go troll through things. This one's like a maybe wear some gloves and definitely always wear a mask when you go in there, regardless of COVID times, because you never actually know what's going to be on those clothes. <laughs> At least she's maximizing her budget. I mean, hey. She is. She totally is. She's, she's nailing it. I think one of the big questions we got and several people had asked us if what our thoughts were on if you're purchasing clothes for the kids and the other household isn't happy about it and they either don't return stuff or they purposely ruin it have you oh, ever dude. experienced that that stuff makes me so mad i was so triggered i know exactly what message you're talking about um i was so triggered by that message i was like are you effing kidding me so we we didn't deal with any sort of like sabotage with clothing we definitely had disagreements with clothing though like my stepdaughter's mom uh so our bio mom she was like in the camp of like leggings are not pants. You cannot wear them. And I feel like leggings are 100% pants and they should always be pants. And I think there's a meme that says like, so I can karate chop you in your head and tell you that you're wrong if you think leggings are not pants. And that's, that's the world that I live in. So there were some disagreements with what clothing could be in what households. And so for the most part, my best recommendation is if you were having any issues with either clothing items being destroyed or you buy a bunch of clothes and they disappear at mom's house and you never see them again and then all of a sudden your kid has no clothes again. If it were me, which that didn't really happen. I mean, our kids transferred the things that they needed back and forth, but they each had kind of their own wardrobes too. And just like the favorites and necessities came back and forth. But 
I were in that situation where things were either being destroyed, returned, or never saw the light of day at my house again after I paid for them, I would make a hard and fast rule and say the clothes that we buy stay at our house. And that's the end of the story. If you, if we bought them and we paid for them, they stay here. And in some ways that sounds like it could be unfair to the stepkids because it's like, all right, if you just bought them like new Air Force Ones and their mom's not going to buy the same pair, they can only wear them when they are, they're at your house. But I would say tough shit. You're the one that has control over the things that you buy in your house, regardless of whether or not they're your stepkids or your own. So I just, that I feel really passionate about that because I would be livid if I found out that the things that I spent my hard ass earned money on were either never showing up again or were even being maliciously destroyed. Well, and honestly, I totally understand that approach, but that sucks for the kids. Like, I put myself in that position and if I had two households and like I had all of these clothes that I loved that, you know, one of the parents had bought for me and I couldn't take it back and forth. Like, just don't be the person that does that and like tries to hinder just like destroying clothes. Thankfully, we've never dealt with that. But I just can't even imagine. I mean, we've had clothes issues like hi, I think every person with a kid has issues with clothing, but just don't be that person. And if you're a stepmom and you're trying to mess with the clothing clothing situation just to, you know, it's like you're really only hurting the kids. So let's try to not do that. Not advised. There were some other questions that we got around really tracking like spend and expenses and allowance for sort of older kids. And I mean, I, I surely have older kids in, in my camp. I've got, uh, she's now a junior in college and a senior in high school. So there's there's definitely expenses there that were, were unplanned um, for the most part. I mean, we already kind of talked about the credit card situation, but if there are situations where either kid needs something, like I, I actually think my stepdad, or <laughs> I actually think my husband and my stepson just got home from the Apple store because my stepson dropped his phone and it is completely destroyed. So I have yet to find out whether or not they have procured a new phone or <laughs> repaired said phone. But the last time I saw it, it looked pretty far beyond repair. Uh, and if it was in fact beyond repair and there needed to be a replacement, that expense is definitely on us. We pay for their cell phones and any spent expenses that go along with that. I would say with how quickly they got back, I think you paid for a new phone. That sounds probably accurate. It has not been that long. I think they left like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> so another thing that we got some questions on, and actually I thought this was really interesting that people were thinking this far ahead, is what happens if you're married and, or even if you're a long-term partner, I think there's some states where there's laws, like if you live together for longer than seven years, and something happens to your spouse and you don't have like beneficiaries set up, wills, what does that look like? And then also on the other side, if you're a step parent and even if you have kids of your own or you don't, what's acceptable or how do you think it should look for a step parent to contribute after they're deceased to their stepkids? Oh, this is such a weird one for me. I know. So I even right now, I know. So right now, my beneficiaries for all of my whatever 401k, like 
life insurance are my husband, 100%. And then you have to give a backup for most of that. And the backup right now is my mom. If something unimaginable, I didn't want to think about it, were to happen to my mom, I would need to think about who is my backup for that. And knowing where I'm at in my marriage and my relationship with my stepkids, I would probably add them, one of them or both of them as backups to my husband. My husband will always be, for me, number one. But beyond that, if something were to happen to my mom, I mean, I don't know. I also have like a younger brother and I have two younger sisters and feel some sort of like sibling. I'm the oldest sibling, so I feel some sort of obligation to take care of them too. But that I would need to do some serious thinking about what what the distribution of those funds would need to be. I, but I don't feel this like overwhelming pressure to make it my stepkids only if it's not my husband. And I don't, I don't necessarily think stepmoms should feel that pressure either. Even if you're a full step, full-time stepmom, I think that money is yours and it's money that you've hard earned and you've paid for and you've saved for, even if it's life insurance. And I think it is totally 100% at your discretion what you do with that money. I completely agree with you. And I think for me, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. So I have my husband and then secondary is, is my son. So if anything were to happen to me, he's my next of kin, everything would go to him. But for my husband, it's different, right? Because he has, he has three different kids and yep. two different marriages. So um, he's got to make sure that he takes all of that into account and looks at the big picture. So when we did, you know, financial and estate planning, he had to, it was easy for me because I'm like, oh, I already know what makes the most sense for me. But you have you have some things you got to think about. And so he was like, you know, okay. And I think ultimately it, it ended up being an easy decision for him. But then you run into the, well, what does it look like if both of us have an incident at the same time and from, you know, medical, I don't know, what's the term? Uh, medical power of attorney. Medical power of attorney. What yeah. does that look like? So like if our parents are still living, there's so many different dynamics and we're not that old, so it was, I don't know, kind of like hard to figure out. But what about you guys? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so twofold. So backing up a little bit to what you said about just like your husband's finances. So my husband has always been very clear that I am one third of the puzzle. And in terms of beneficiaries, like me, his daughter, and his son, we if something happens to him, we all split one third. And I, that has really never bothered me. I mean, I would even be fine if he wanted to give me less and them more. Like, I'm not not in my marriage or relationship with him for the money by any means. Same. So, and we can support ourselves. Like, correct. Hello. And I just want to make, I would just want to make sure that if something were to, bad were to happen to him, that I can take care of what needs to be taken care of in our household. And I have some financial bubble to make sure that our estate is taken care of and that I don't end up in debt or like in a really bad situation. That's really all I care about. Beyond that, it's it's totally his discretion and it doesn't bother me whatever, whatever he chooses. And in regards to something happening, that's actually something that we... So we've talked about this a little bit. So he has a good friend of his who's a notary and I'm fairly certain both his best friend and I have some sort of obligation to, if something bad were to happen to my husband, we have the ability to make medical decisions on his behalf. But if something were to happen to both of us, we haven't really talked about that. 
And that's probably a conversation that we should have because if both of us, God forbid, were in some sort of accident and the next of kin were his kids, I can imagine the weight on your shoulders as a 17 and 20 year old to try to make medical decisions on your parents' behalf. Like that, that just blows my mind. So I don't know. That's a conversation that we haven't had yet. I mean, he has a living will and a like a estate planning and all all those like documents, but we haven't really talked about that part. Okay, well, I'm a complete psycho. And after we had our son, not only the first time we traveled with him and he was four weeks old, I had to go to Austin for work. And uh, my husband went with me because I was nursing. And I had instant regret that we had taken him on a plane that young because, well, what if something happens? Well, then I had an aha moment the fir- the next couple times that we flew and it was just he and I, and I'm like, what if the plane went down? And I would be texting my mom, like, here's what we would want. Like, here's who we would want him to be with. And like, da, 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 just so it's like, you guys know, but then it got even deeper. Like, what would I want my funeral to look like? Nobody knows. So I would be at the whim of like other people's options. So not only from the financial piece of the blended families and what the financial stuff looks like, but like who's going to be involved in, would they put us next to each other? Would that create a conflict based on different people's ideas? So you really, if you can, and you've got time, highly recommend just thinking about all of those things Yeah, because it's not stuff you really ever think about, but it's super important to make it sure sounds- that Yeah, it sounds morbid, but you have a great point. I mean, you are a stepmom, so normally you'd be like, okay, mom is buried next to dad, and like, this is our grandparents' plot, and like, whatever, or not buried at all, like, whatever. I mean, again, it sounds so morbid, but I do think those conversations need to be had. And so my husband and I have been dealing with his uh, father, who has Alzheimer's disease, and we've been... Moved him out here from New York like early last year during the worst COVID times because he had an accident and uh, have been basically trying to get him full time care since then. And the one thing that I can just advise around that whole situation and even just being a stepmom is get everything documented, get it in writing, get your power of attorneys in place, talk about the things that are uncomfortable to talk about because. You don't want someone that you don't trust making medical decisions on your behalf if something were to happen to you and your spouse. And I think that's important just relationships in general, but especially important in a stepmom situation. And even for me, like I'm a stepmom, I don't have a next of kin. I don't have a kid of my own. And even you, your son is so young. You, he would never be able to make a medical decision on your behalf. So what happens in that instance? So childless stepmom or a mom with an ours baby, there is still a place for those types of conversations. Completely agree. Okay, so we got some questions on Instagram. If you're fine, if we pivot and move away from our death condo. Although, please, 100% real, like, everyone's going to die. So, <laughs> like, can we just... It's sad, but let's accept it. Agreed. Um, I think some of this we touched on, you know, buying clothes, earning more than your partner. I honestly, I feel like if you're a step-parent and you are the breadwinner... All of this stuff still applies. You got to have the conversation, figure out what works for you. If you want to support your partner and help them support their kids, then 
do it. If not, then, you know, that's your prerogative. I, but you have to have the conversation and make sure that you're not like totally devastating your partner because you don't want to contribute. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's just a it's a relationship thing, right? Like if you're on the same page about the expectations about how your household should be run and what kind of lifestyle you want to live, then as a partner, forget about the kids for a second, as a partner, you would want to contribute to that lifestyle. And I still agree with you, set the boundaries of these were your obligations before we met. So if for some reason you can't meet the things that you are obligated to meet, then it needs to be a conversation between us. And I need to hear what is expected of me and what you need from me. But at the end of the day, I still feel like as a stepmom, you are not obligated to contribute to spousal support or child support unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance. So actually, that leads me to an interesting question that we got that kind of piggybacks that. And it was the custody agreement changed and they're 50-50 now. But the husband doesn't want to go back to reallocate child support. And so she doesn't want to damage his mental health by kind of like saying, this needs to happen. It's, you know, fair. But she also is like, I don't want to have to keep fitting the bill for X, Y, and Z because the information has changed and mom's working now. So she has an obligation and like... I don't even know how to navigate that because on one side, I'm like, okay, well, you're going to spend money going to court, paying attorneys. So I advised her in a DM, like, if you can go consult with an attorney who's reasonable, who's not like, yeah, let's go after it and it's going to waste your time and money and just figure out what that looks like for you. So I think when it comes to that sort of stuff, really, you should consult with someone who knows and you can provide the information and they can give you the best advice. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with that, it's it's hard because there I mean, even in our situation, the custody has always been 50 50. But surely, like income levels have changed on both sides throughout and they've just mutually decided not to go back to court to try to fight that. Number one, because of what you just said, because that requires attorneys and court fees. And it's just, it's a lot of extra money and a lot of extra drama that people just don't necessarily need in their lives. But if you're a stepmom and you're actively contributing to that spousal support or child support, and there's a chance where you can regain some of your income back by going back to court and you're willing to put the money forward to be able to do that, I think if you are contributing, it is totally within your rights to be able to say, hey, things have changed because I'm contributing. I would like to go back and have this re-looked at. And if you're not contributing, I think it's it's probably not your place. I mean, I, I don't know. It sounds like such a hard line. But if you're not the one that's being financially obligated to pay that money, because we weren't, right? It's like, okay, well, if she makes more money now, I can't tell my husband, like, if she makes more money now, you need to go back and you need to try to pay her less. Like, no, it's it's not about that. It's not about me. We're fine financially. I mean, if we were, like, getting food stamps and really struggling to pay ends meet and that happened, I would feel really differently about it. But if you're not in that really unfortunate circumstance, you got to pick your battles. And that might not be one you want to try to fight. Okay, another interesting question boundaries with large expenses for the kids that you don't have decision-making power on or can even really give an opinion. So when we talk large expenses, is that like a car? I think it depends on who you ask, to be honest. Yeah. I would say car, college. Yeah. 
we, like I said before, I mean, I know my husband's ex-wife put a small portion of money towards a down payment on my stepdaughter's car and on her first car, which is now my stepson's car. So she definitely contributed a little bit. And there was a conversation between the two of them around, here's what I can contribute. And if there's any other expenses beyond that, it's on you. And we pretty much just expected that and accepted it. And it is what it is. And and same with cell phones. I mean, we're not, we're not going back to her to be like, we just bought a new cell phone. You owe us 25% of that $800. Like it, I mean, in all reality, his cell phone lasted way longer than any of us expected it to. So if he, well, if he needed it's not even one, worth ruffling feathers. It's just not. It's not worth it. It's not worth pissing someone off and rocking the boat over something that. And I mean, not. I'm not trying to say that a cost of a cell phone is insignificant because it most definitely is. But there are options. I mean, you can add a cell phone onto your plan and pay fifteen dollars a month instead of paying money outright for it. But large expenses like that. I mean, for the most part, because we also pay, my stepson is duly enrolled with college credits in some of his classes right now. So they have a conversation ahead of time around, all right, here's how much this is going to cost. Here's what I can contribute. Here's what I can't. And they have to, they have to talk about that. And if there's not an opportunity to have that conversation and it's solely on you and your significant other, it just becomes a conversation between the two of you. What are we willing to contribute and what are we not? I mean, again, all of this common theme boils down to communication. It really is all about communication. So the last one I kind of want to answer because I have an opinion on this. Um, Decorations for, so she wants to decorate the ours or bio kids rooms at their house, but she doesn't feel like she should contribute to decorating for the stepkids. And I really think that you need to be fair. If you're going to spend money to decorate your own kids or your ours babies rooms, that's like what I look at it from the kid's perspective. And I'd be like, well, why don't I get to have like stuff I want in my room and nice things? So if you're not willing to pay for that stuff, then that's a conversation you've got to have with your significant other. And if you guys can't come to an agreement, then I think you do like minimal stuff and the bio or ours baby's rooms and not like these drastic changes that are going to be so obvious. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you need to take a step back there and do exactly what you just said. Remember that you want these kids to thrive and be happy and have a home environment that feels like theirs. And that was a huge priority for us. So when we moved into the house that we're in now, which was not the marital home. So it was the first house that was unfamiliar to the kids post-divorce. I desperately wanted them to feel like their room was their own space. So we let them pick their paint colors and had the rooms painted to whatever they wanted. My stepdaughter's is one wall is hot pink and the rest are gray. And my stepson has one wall that's orange. We might have the same child. Right. They're like tan. So, I mean, whatever. But for me, it was more important that they felt like they had a say in what, because I did want them to feel like this is your space. This is your bedroom. And it's important to me that you feel comfortable here. And I, I really feel strongly about that. And my husband and I pretty much, I mean, we, we shared a lot of the expenses that had to do with their bedrooms, whether that's a mattress or furniture or decorations. And then there were some things that I would buy on my own just because I wanted to, and just because I wanted them to feel like that was their space that they could take ownership over. So if you're feeling like a weird way about 
decorating your stepkids' rooms, I would maybe just take a pause and reflect on why you're feeling that way and what the environment needs to feel like at your home in order to have a really great relationship with your stepkids. Because I I do think their bedroom and how they feel when they're at your house, it should feel like home. So if that's feeling weird to you, you need to maybe do some reflection. I don't know if you were this way when you were younger, but I remember I would like rearrange my room Constantly. every couple months. Yes. And it was like a thing. I don't think kids do that now. I don't think they do either. My Neither of my stepkids have at all, but I totally agree with you. My mom used to make fun of me. It would especially happen, and this was like kid version of nesting, but happened before like the start of school year. My, my room would be like a total disaster the whole summer, and then right before school would start, I would completely rearrange my room and like clean out my closet and get rid of all this stuff. And it was like a fresh start feeling for me, but I was most definitely queen of rearranging my room. My mother will definitely attest to that. Oh, it just made me feel like a brand new person. I'd be like, hey, you guys want to come see what I did to my room? <laughs> so stupid. I love <laughs> but it, like, though. that was a thing. I know. I love it. We're nerdy. Okay. We are, for sure. We have talked about a lot of things here. Is there anything that we got from Instagram followers, question-wise, that we did not cover tonight? I don't think so. Somebody had a tax question, but that's really, like, dependent on your MSA and not, you know, something you should work out ahead of time if you have joint custody. Yes. And when all else fails, please hire tax, like, an accountant. They're worth every penny. I promise. Ours is great. If you live in Arizona, let me know. I'll give you his info. You got this, girls. Make that money, boo. (laughs) All right. Well, if you have further questions, you know how to get a hold of us. We're at Stepmonster Podcast on Instagram and Stepmonster stepmonsterpodcast at gmail.com you can email us anytime we are here for you and we are so grateful for all the questions that you sent us in order to create this episode so thank you and have a good night cheers cheers bye bye